one of these days and it won't be long You're gonna look for me and I'll be gone I believe Should I believe Oh yeah Oh baby You're trying to make a fool The Toronto Blue Jays finally win a series. Hello and welcome to episode 274 of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, we've got the whole gang back. Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys? Doing great, Mark. As much as this team still isn't firing on all cylinders, I mean, they have to start somewhere. And of course, two out of three this weekend in Minnesota, uh, you got to be happy with that based off the way they've been playing. So I'm glad that that pretty much happened. But of course, some good, of course, and there's still a lot of iffy play right now from this team. But hey, again, you got to start somewhere. And Jacob, it's good to have you back once again, buddy. I regret saying firing on all cylinders. That like, I don't think people understand off camera. That is used against me more than I'm going to admit. Um, but no, it... I mean, to quote you, they're not firing on all cylinders, but <laughs> at the end of the day, what are they doing? They're getting wins. I mean, two out of three, whatever. It's better than losing or getting swept, but doesn't get any easier, I think, from here. The schedule's still tough, I think, for the rest, uh, for the rest of uh, May and into June, but overall, it was a better series for this team, and hopefully that players' meeting is the start of something, and we'll have to see if it uh, if it continues beyond this series. Much better series for the Blue Jays, and... I guess let's steer clear of some of the negatives for right now. Let's bask in the glory of a series win for the first time in two weeks. And let's talk about some of the positives from this series. And I guess we can start with Bo because he's kind of the offensive standout. We know how great of a season he's had so far, but somehow he seems to be able to just sustain it and keep it going. And it's still crazy when you look at the stat line this series. He had seven hits total across three games. That's... 15 total bases, two home runs, a triple, six RBI, wild, wild stats from Bo Bichette. I, To be honest, I know he started the season hot. I've expected him to tail off by this point, but somehow he keeps it going. And more than anyone else in this lineup, we'll talk about some of the dead spots as the episode goes on. But right now, Bo Bichette is carrying the Blue Jays offensively. Very good to see him keep up that performance, and I think he's a key integral part to the Blue Jays. Turning things around, maybe, question mark, dot, dot, dot. We'll see about that. But, Bobuchet, great series in Minneapolis. I mean, I know people didn't really like that I said he should go to the minors, but what has he done Yeah, since wait, then? Let's, let's revisit he's... that. <laughs> <laughs> since you said he should go to the minors, that was a series in Washington when he blew the game for the Jays, or sorry, in Philadelphia. Uh... Give me a minute, I'll pull up his splits. Okay, so yeah, but uh, so while you're doing that, I mean, he's been playing a lot better since then. I mean, obviously he doesn't personally know me. Um, it's not like he gets a thank you card from me saying I bought his jersey. But um, anyways, you you look at what he did, <laughs> what he did over the series. Uh, you mentioned it. I mean, the uh, uh, twelve or whatever it was at bats throughout the series, zero walks. But you're looking at it, six RBIs. And only a sing a two strikeouts, sorry, in the first two games of the series, zero strikeouts in the last game. Obviously, he's a guy that swings a lot, makes a lot of contact, but you're seeing that he's he's efficient. I mean, you look at it. I mean, the two hits, the three hits, the two hits. Like he is getting on base, he's driving in runs, he's doing things, and 
yeah, I mean, uh, you look at his big game was that middle game of the series, the the third or the second game where they did lose, but without him, that game is completely uh, off the rails and it's nothing close to what it was. And he is, I think, probably the best hitter in baseball. I've seen that as like a legitimate um, thing that people have brought up. I mean, I'll put him up against almost anybody at this point. Like he is clearly. But you want him in one the minor the... leagues. How does he have credibility about Boba Shett? Like, I'm, does well, he hear okay. himself? No, no, no. <laughs> what I said okay, is for the de- record, well, since you said he defense. should go down to the minors, yeah. he's hitting. He has a slash line of three forty eight, three eighty four, five thirty six OPS of nine twenty. He's got eleven strikeouts, four walks, thirteen RBI, three homers, one triple, two doubles, and that's twenty four hits overall. You see his play in short, sixteen um, games. on Saturday too. Yeah, you're welcome. Look what I did to it. No, I'm kidding. Um, but God, you're okay. On a serious note, look, I to be okay, to be fair, I did criticize his defense. I said that it's hard to put him in the minors. I mean, it's probably impossible. Let's be real here. But his offense, I'm not saying it makes up for poor defensive play when it does happen. But let's just uh, let's just look at this for what it is. He is one of the best, if not the best, hitters in all of baseball right now. And and I say right now as if that's not the last like three, four seasons. I mean, three seasons, I guess, or including this season. He is, I mean, you talk about, I know they have him for two more years after this year, but I think if there's anything that we can look at a stretch like this or just a season like this and we see how these players are performing, the Blue Jays do need to realize that, yeah, eventually these players are going to be older. They're going to demand more money. I think that it's, I mean, I, I doubt that they do anything really right now. Or, I mean, from Boba Shett's side in terms of, negotiations and whatnot but you look at what he's doing and I think that this is more of a reason that if you're going to lock up anybody from this current core or from the you know the guys that they drafted and, and developed Bobochet has to be one of them he is clearly the Blue Jays best hitter right now he's, he's clearly their best player I think maybe unless you guys have a different uh, opinion but it's hard to get carried in baseball but really Bobochet is carrying this team right now and I just I can't imagine like where this team would be without him like they would be even worse off probably even getting swept because of this but i'll definitely take it and then we just you know like i said really about that whole players only meeting and that type of situation things need to i think continue for this um for boba shed and really for the blue jays if they want to help turn this uh, season around yeah i mean that's that's <laughs> what you expect from boba shed so you know i'm not sure you know it shouldn't be surprising i mean i thought of course, he had a really good weekend, and it won't be addressing any of what you said earlier. But, of course, moving on from that, of course, ever since that whole uh, debacle a couple weeks ago in Philly, I mean, he's also been playing really well defensively. I mean, he really, he made a really nice sliding grab on Saturday in Game 2, and that saved as much as it brought in a run. It was a ground out. It also limited the damage because it, it could have been way worse if that got by him. But, I mean, you look at him at the plate, of course, um, this past weekend, and even across baseball now over the last seven days, I mean, he's fifth in the league in terms of batting average. Everything about his numbers have skyrocketed up and OPS and everything like that. Mark, you talked about his slash line. So this isn't exactly surprising. This is the player that Bo Bichette is. This is a player that Bo Bichette's supposed to be. I think a part of why he's standing out so much right now as well is, of course, it is a really good hot streak he's on, but there's just a lot of cold bats in the lineup right now too. So when that kind of happens, you you know, you know tend to notice this a lot more than you would if everyone's firing on all cylinders. So, um, I mean, you just talk about pretty much from game one. I mean, it was definitely a really good start from him uh, with the home run. And then, of course, in game two, like I was talking about, he homers, he triples, and, of course, 
that nice de- defensive play uh, at shortstop. And then, of course, the game three today on the Sunday game, he he continues to play good. He singles. So that's p- probably why he stands out so much is because, again, there's guys behind him like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who have been struggling so far over the last couple of weeks and pretty much throughout the entire month. So in a situation and in a time where the play as well from this team hasn't been great, it's good that we're seeing this from people. Of course, George Springer is another guy who's played really well uh, over the last couple of weeks that we continue to talk about. So it's something that they're chipping away at. Of course, the way this month has been for them, it's going to take them some time to get back to where they were. And that's why despite the, I guess, the play this weekend that wasn't exactly the greatest, it's just it's a really good starting point to come away from two out of three from Minnesota. And then you can hopefully bring that momentum back to Rogers Center for only couple or only three games before you go back on the road. So that's why you can hopefully look at this past weekend as a really good start of a turning point for that. And the fact that Bobachet's leading the way does not surprise me one bit. And uh everything he does like this, again, we just expect it. I mean, he's hitting balls the other way, he looks confident. Everything that Bobochet does when he's playing really well in terms of just working the count, lots of foul balls and everything like that. And again, I'll close it off with good defensive play over the last couple of uh, over the last couple of weeks. Quite frankly, I think that's also very important to realize when you're talking about Bobochet leading the way right now for this team. Yeah, he doesn't have a single error since that one error he committed in Philadelphia to lose the game. Um, yeah, I mean. There's nothing more to say on him. He's been phenomenal. Uh, another guy that we should talk about who's also been phenomenal at the top of the lineup, and it kind of goes hand in hand, and that is George Springer. Um, we seemed really concerned about him. We were really concerned about him to start the season. We knew it would turn around for him eventually just because of the track record he has. But the numbers weren't there at the start of the season. It took him a while to get going. There was speculation about his health, not physically but you know the illness that he apparently had for a couple games or a couple weeks or who really knows how long he was under the weather with that but it seems like he's fully recovered from that and in the month of May his numbers are kind of going off the charts he's already climbed his batting average up to 260 which compared to what it was at the start of the season is a vast improvement Um, in the month of May he's gotten on base in every game but five and that's of course almost an entire month at this point he's been productive his last you know I don't know the week last week of play he's had multi-hit games on May 20th May 21st he had a four-hit game against the Rays on May 23rd and then multi-hit game on the Saturday in this series so he's been another anchor at this top the top of the lineup that the Blue Jays needed to turn things around and he has turned things around and um I don't know. We ha- I, I guess we haven't really seen it translate to larger offensive success for the Blue Jays, even though Bo is hitting and even though Springer is hitting. And I think that's probably because of the next thing that we can talk about, and that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He is one of the negatives from this series, one of the negatives from the last week or so, and he's been slumping hard um, on the Blue Jays. Like, he has not been able to get on base he's not been able to hit he's been grinding it to double plays some of his strikeouts are very bad um he's really struggled with off-speed pitching he's hitting something like 110 against off-speed pitches this season um it's been a huge struggle for him uh I'm curious what you guys make of his struggles like how concerned you are how long you think it'll take for him to bounce back where do you stand on how Vladdy's doing right now See, this is where it gets a little tough. I mean, he's... Do you think they should send him to the minors? Oh, shut up. 
<laughs> respectfully. Please, please don't. Please don't. Stop. No, no, no. No, what I'm going to say is, this might get me some hate, but he is a bit more of a... Sh- no, I'm not saying he's one of the minors. He is more no, of a no. streaky player than I want him to be. And what I mean is, like, you look at it, 2021, this guy had video game numbers. Last year, good, not great. You look at it again, this season, two... 284 average on the season. That's including his his struggles. Not terrible. He, he's not... Like, I think the problem is, is we expect him to be one of the stars on this team, and he just so far has not been that. He's had great seasons. He's had okay seasons for what the expectations are. He's had down seasons. I mean, I'm not really going to count 2019 and 20, because, I mean, whatever. Those are kind of throwaways at that point, uh, considering where he was in his developments and everything. But... He, I don't know. I, I like. I think he'll bounce back, but like bounce back to a three hundred hitter, bounce back to a power hitter. Maybe. I mean, yeah, he has power, obviously. But is it fair to assume that he's going to be twenty twenty one, Vladdy, or he's going to be like the next Bautista or Encarnacion, like one of those big power hitters? Unfortunately, maybe not. I mean, he's going to hit his fair share, but. I don't know, maybe he's he's going to bounce back, but not bounce back to what we expect him to do. And I mean, just looking here, I mean, he's not really either, either walking. I mean, he hasn't had a walk since May the 24th. He hasn't had a home run since May the 23rd. And even that, other than May the 23rd, he hasn't had a home run since May the 4th. So, And that was off of a position player, too. Yeah, that's, yeah, so okay, yeah. So really, off of major league hitters... In the month of May, he's had two home or uh, major league pitchers, excuse me. He's had two home runs in the month of May. Like this has been a bad month for him, and yeah, obviously that's a bit of an outlier. But I don't know. Maybe we truly are witnessing uh, a player who is just not what we expected him to be. Like he's a great defender. Like I, I know all the slander that I give some of the players for their defense. He is one of the better defenders in the in the American League, especially at first base. He definitely gives his fair share of uh, of uh, effort out there, but maybe he just truly isn't the offensive player that we want him to be, and and I hate to say that, and I think he will do well. Like, 284, that is a good average. Those home runs are definitely concerning, but you look at what he's, like, in terms of, like, if you were to consider him or compare him against all the players in the league, yes, you pick him over most players to be on your team. Uh, maybe he's just not like if you're thinking of this on like a, a tier list. Maybe he's not like an S tier or an A tier, or definitely an A tier. But maybe he's towards the bottom of an A tier. And, and I don't know. I, he is still one of the cornerstones of this team. But you look at the performance, and I'm thinking, yeah, he's had his good seasons, but it's never fully translated into a season after season of consistent elite level performance. And we'll have to see. I think realistically like the team was not very good in may so it's not really fair to say specifically vladdy like it wasn't great all throughout the month especially the last two weeks but i do think that this uh this month of june will be a better change for him i can hope it will be i just think uh at this point he, uh, we're just gonna need to see it i think to uh believe it i know you guys are just itching to <laughs> to get on me after this take but look at the end of the day i like vladdy he plays for the team i cheer for he will turn things around Let's just hope that it uh, it happens soon. Yeah, I just Mark and I's there's a lot of similarities in terms of concern after that. Like I, I'm not going there. I, I can't go there in terms of what you were saying. I think for me personally, it's a little harsh, Jacob. Just a little bit. I mean, 
look, I understand the month of May was very bad for him, and there's a lot of similarities to what we saw in May this year compared to what we saw through most of last year in terms of just chasing and everything like that and not walking. And that's what you're talking about. I mean, if you look at his chase rate and his walk percentage, he's below the below half the league in terms of that, of course, that aren't walking a lot and it's chasing a lot. So it hasn't been good for him. And that comes away from April too, where in April it felt like it was very similar to 2021, Vladdy, minus the home runs in terms of not chasing and getting his base hits and walking. So it was kind of weird how we went from that in April to what we saw this or this May. But, of course, the thing that is translated in both of those months, and I think this is something that, of course, he's probably working at and something that is a little bit eye-opening, is just the, you know, the, the power hasn't exactly translated a lot in terms of just not hitting as much home runs as I thought we or as I think we were expecting. But, of course, that doesn't mean he hasn't been good. Of course, again, in April, he, he played really well in April. It just felt like it was a really good start to a season. I mean, it was an OPS. I think it was just under 900. It was at 885. And then you just look at his overall numbers in May, which, again, they're not awful. They're not when you actually look at them. It's just... For Vladdy's standards, it's it's down numbers, and that's kind of in relation to what we were talking about in terms of his season last year. So there's no question he's in a funk. Um, he looks out of it mentally. He looks out of it mechanically. Uh, of course, they were highlighting a lot today uh, from the telecast. Bo Bichette was giving him a long talk for at least a couple innings there near the end of the game. And it just feels like he's in a in a bad place right now with his game that he's going to have to eventually dig himself or pretty much out of this hole that he's pretty much dug himself into. And there's no question in my mind he will figure it out. He's just too good of a player not to. It's just, again, it's like, and similar to what you were talking about a little bit, Jacob, with how, just how this this month has gone for this team overall. And then you see kind of how Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as well has kind of, I guess, struggled along with the entire team in terms of how that's been going. So that's kind of why it's a it's very noticeable, of course. And of course, it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Everyone's going to notice th- this stuff. But I mean, Lots of opportunities for big hits over the last couple of weeks. He just hasn't been able to do that. And, of course, just this weekend overall, I think it was one hit in three games that he had. It was 0 for 4 Friday and Sunday. And then on Saturday, it was 1 for 5. So not a lot to his game right now. Like you were talking about the Grand Slam that he hit in Tampa last week, of course. We know it was off a position player. So as much as it goes on his stats, it's not truly, I guess, you know, a legitimate home run. I think that's something that we can all say, and I'm, I'm sure he can – pretty much attest to that as well so but I'm not I'm not here to go like go that far in terms of you know questioning his career in terms of expectations and all that I still think there's lots of time for him to figure that stuff out he's going to figure he's going to figure it out eventually and it'll happen sooner rather than later and you can hopefully again when June comes he can turn that page and pretty much get back to what he was doing in April and I'm sure if he wants to reflect and kind of I guess, play like he did in April. The only thing that he would add is more home runs, and I'm sure that's something that all will eventually come. But, I mean, you just look at it the way this team's been playing. And what you were talking about, Mark, about 10 minutes ago, where you see George Springer get on base. And, first of all, George Springer had three doubles this weekend as well. That's a lot of extra base hits. Uh, and then, you know, Miscu's on the bases and everything like that. These are early opportunities that they've been getting in games where Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s had these at-bats where they just, he hasn't been able to cash them in uh, right now. So that's also a part that's hurt. I don't want to put all the blame on Vladdy, but of course, those are early opportunities in games where you'd like to capitalize. And it's something that also happens later in the games too, just because of how good Springer and Bichette are. So once he picks that up, I mean, it's easy to imagine how much better this offense will be and get back to what they were doing in April. But yes, there's no question it's been a really bad uh, couple weeks for him. Of course, it's really been bad 
just the last week in general, I think it's gotten even worse. So there's no question in my mind he'll figure it out. But again, I'm not willing to go that far down in terms of questioning expectations for his career. Yeah, I'm right oh, there wait, with wait, wait. you. Like, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, I'm not trying to say that he's going to be a bad player. I'm just... Well, that's kind of what I you're saying. Cons- you're saying the expectations well, no, no. are bigger than reality. So far, they have been, unfortunately. I still think he I'm not he sure has... about that. Mm. Like, well, I, I guess, okay. It de- I guess it it's depends debatable. who you're listening to. But the fact, yes, he was a number one prospect. He was kind of this second coming of Christ, and he did not live up to that, or at least he hasn't yet outside of the 2021 season. So yes, like maybe he's not totally living up to his like once in a generation talent, but like he's still, I would, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would wager since his debut in 2019, probably like a top 20 offensive talent in baseball, maybe going back to 2019 negates that. So maybe you start in 2021, because as we said, like 2019 and 2020 don't really count as real seasons, especially for someone getting his feet wet in the majors. So maybe you start 2021, but I feel like over that span, he's probably one of the top 20 bats in Major League Baseball. And to me, as a Blue Jay fan, like that's the most you can hope for out of one of those guys. Obviously, you would wish that he is the number one guy, but I think it's way too early in his career to be knocking him down a notch and saying he's not going to be this talent when you know he's still got years left on his contract. He's still going to be a Blue Jay for a while, and he's still contributing offensively. Like No matter what you want to say about how he's been offensively this year his OPS plus is still lying like 35% above league average like he's still been a really good offensive guy for the Blue Jays and that's including a very bad month or a very bad couple of weeks at least so I think we gotta cool the Jets a little bit on Vladdy accept what he's giving now as not okay but also accept that he's going to be better down the line I think we can probably apply kind of what we were saying with George Springer like Springer was not himself to start the season He's going to be all right, and it's turned out that he is all right, and his numbers now are making up for his cold spout at the start of the season. I think we're going to see the same thing with Vladdy. He's going to go through a couple weeks like this, but I think he's going to break out of it, and that conversation he had with Bobochet I think is really encouraging. Um, I think he's going to figure it out eventually. It's just a matter of time, and I think it's going to come sooner rather than later. Maybe it'll take a series at home against Milwaukee. We can hope that that's the difference maker for the Blue Jays. Before we turn... To what's next, let's talk a little bit about Jay Birdie Baseball Co. They are our sponsor for the podcast. Jacob's wearing the shirt. I'm wearing the shirt. Uh, a couple things I really love about their gear. The first is just that it's great quality. Um, Jacob can attest to this. I can attest to this. Uh, the shirts feel great. They're very comfortable. I washed mine for the first time today. Still the same quality. You know, like you get a brand new shirt and you're like, oh, I don't want to wash this because I know it's going to stop feeling as soft. It's not going to be, it's going to shrink the wall, whatever. Not the case with Jay Birdie Baseball Co. Top tier quality and it's still holding after I washed it today. The other thing I, wa- I love about Jay Birdie Baseball Co. is that every shirt, every piece of clothing, every hat they have has a story behind it. Um, it's rooted in Canadian baseball. Uh, they got a new hat out called the 1977. And you can guess what the story behind that hat is, how its design came about with the origin of the Blue Jays. Um, I just really love how every single piece they has has a story behind it and it's rooted in Canadian baseball history. So I highly recommend you check them out. I can't speak their praises enough. It's jbirdie.ca. You can find the link to them below this episode as well. 
All right, so another piece of news we got hit with this week was the Danny Jansen injury. He's headed to the 10-day IL. Alejandro Kirk is going to be taking up most of the catching assignments from this point forward, at least for the next week or so. Tyler Heineman has gotten the call from the minor leagues. Uh, I think what we can center this conversation around is the concerns about Alejandro Kirk. We saw it a little bit in the series in Tampa Bay. We've seen it a little bit in this series in Minnesota, Tampa Bay, seven stolen bases off of him in one game. Of course, that's combined with Alec Manoa, who isn't exactly fast to the plate either. But um, when you're having to rely on this guy to be the starting catcher, to catch whatever he's caught now, he's had a couple of innings, I think, and I think it's five straight games or four straight games at this point, Um, a workload that he's never really had before in his major league career. Um, I think it's it's valid that there are concerns about his defense and certainly also about his offense. Like his offense hasn't been there this year either. And I know he's gotten off to a slow start in the WBC and missing time in spring training with his child and you know everything that was going on there. But you know, kind of the same thing we've talked about with Alec Manoa. Like we're getting to the one third mark of the season, the rubber is starting to meet the road, and now that you're having to rely on this guy to start practically every day with Danny Jensen on the IL. Those concerns uh, and those frustrations with the way he started the season have been exaggerated. So I'm curious how comfortable you guys are with him behind the plate right now, as much as the Blue Jays can't do anything about it until Danny Jensen is healthy. Are you worried about the fact that Alondra Kirk is going to be having to take the bulk of the catching duties for the next 10 days or so? Well, I'm, I mean, I think you have to be a little bit nervous. I mean, you look at his numbers have not really been there at all this season. I mean, he's only got two home runs on the season. Uh, his last one was, I just had it right here. It, the last one was April 28th against the uh, the Mariners. And then I think he had one in the home opener too. So it's like, I'm not saying he's going to hit 25, 30 home runs, but like two home runs at the third of the way through the season. Like that's, it's not good. It's not looking good. And I mean... I have to wonder if being behind the plate as much as he's expected to be now, if that's going to take more of a toll on his body, maybe his numbers will suffer a little bit more. And I think the worst part is, is there's nothing that the Blue Jays can do. I mean, like, yeah, you can put Tyler Heineman in there. You can have Kirk DH, but, you know, no disrespect to Tyler Heineman, but, like, he would not be up here if the Blue Jays had a healthy catching uh, uh, roster. And I think the other problem is, is you look at, like the trade is kind of not worked out. Gabriel Moreno's kind of mashing for the uh, the Diamondbacks right now. Obviously, I'm not saying that I would take uh, Guriel over Varsho right now, but I've seen a lot of uh, Shapiro and Atkins haters saying, "Oh, look at how this is going." You got a, I mean, you got Danny Jansen who can't really hit. Uh, I mean, he's doing better, but you got him who can't hit as well. You got Kirk who's now struggling behind the plate and at the plate. Then you look at what you gave up, and it's like. It's tough. I mean, I'm not. I'm not here to say. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not here to say that uh, they should take that trade back. But you know, you look at now what they need to go uh, go forward with. You have. I mean, I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle behind the plate. I really do. And I mean, it's like I said, there's nothing that this team can do about it other than just get through it. Get you can get get creative. I'm not saying that Varsho is going to catch, but if they need to do something, if they need to get Kirk off his feet, because he is still going to hit, like, let's be real here. He's going to hit, going to get his chances to hit nearly every single game. Maybe they do something like that. I'm not sure, but you know, let's just hope that this injury to Danny Jansen does not last, uh, anything beyond 
what the initial timeline is because if it does this could easily be a very very difficult uh, month of june and and beyond for this team yeah i think i think there should be i mean i think it's normal to be a little bit concerned based on how it's gone i think the i guess to argue it a little bit though or to kind of be optimistic a little bit i mean alejandro kirk actually benefited from the same thing last year and this was kind of what campaigned him to be uh, going. And he went to the All-Star game, and that's what campaigned him to go. I mean, he had lots of playing time when Danny Jansen went down, and he really excelled from that. But, of course, his game this year is in a different place than it was last year at this time. So that's the only part where you look at it and say it's a different season for sure. But he's done it before, so you, you do wonder if he's going to be able to, I guess, thrive with this opportunity he's going to have. Who knows how long Danny Jansen is going to be out. I know they're calling it week to week. Uh, like you guys were talking about, so he's going to get at least a couple of, at least a week or two, probably to, I would say maybe catch two or three straight days, ideally, and then of course Tyler Heineman's going to be thrown in there on a rotation behind the plate. So that's a lot of opportunity for Alejandro Kirk. I mean, we we know this, and that's why as much as you know, there's questions about the workload and everything with him, and of course questions about if he kind of ran out of gas a little bit last year in the second half of the season. This is all something he's done before. Uh, with Danny Jansen going down. So that's maybe maybe you wonder if he's going to get consistent at-bats now. Perhaps he can thrive with this opportunity. I mean, he had a good game today uh, in Game 3 today on Sunday. So it's kind of something where we have no idea until we're going to actually see it, how he's going to react to it. But, of course, that's the only thing I think you can really be optimistic about a little bit is that he actually thrived uh, from this last season. But, of course, it's just, you know... Again, it's just he hasn't been that same guy this year with his hitting. I mean, we talked about last year, you know, the amount of times where it was just almost impossible uh, early on in the season to strike him out and everything like that. And this year, he just hasn't been getting the greatest contact or the greatest power. And his numbers have been down from that. And, of course, behind the plate for me, it's probably even more concerning. And I, we talked about this our last episode, Mark, where, you know, Tampa Bay runners going 7-for-7 seven seven or whatever that was. And just how easy overall this year it's been on runner stealing on a guy like Alejandro Kirk. Of course, pitchers are, I guess, part to blame for that. I know Alec Manoa is also leading the team and probably upwards of the league in terms of how many people have been stealing off of him. So I get it that the pitchers are partly are partially responsible for that. But overall, it also reflects on him too, and he's got to be a lot better uh, defensively as well. I think that's where I'm probably a little bit more concerned in terms of if I wanted to compare it between that and his bat because, of course, there's the... The you know all the possibilities where he can DH like you were talking about Jacob so it's going to be it's it's always interesting to see this when Danny Jansen goes down like this is something where unfortunately it's been happening consistently every year where he's had a couple of injury stints or IL stints throughout the year it hasn't been too long but it's been long enough to be at least a couple of weeks and it's unfortunately interrupted you know a part of the season where again it's just very similar where he starts to heat up and he starts to play really really good and then he goes down with this injury and then they kind of are thrown in uncertainty here with Alejandro Kirk and Tyler Heineman so I mean you can only hope that he's going to be a lot better from this and he can take advantage of this once again it's just there's definitely a lot of question marks and maybe some doubters out there that aren't confident with that just because of what we've seen and defensively for me once again that is where I'm probably more concerned if I'm talking about where I'm, I guess, most concerned about with Alejandro Kirk's workload and just overall performance to start the season. Yeah, and especially because of some of the like pitcher-catcher pairings that have been a concern this season. Like One of the things that was talked about a lot after Alec Manoa's 
stretch of bad starts as much as we're still in his stretch of bad starts but there was a lot of talk about like taking Alejandro Kirk off the personal catching duties putting Danny Jansen and the Blue Jays put Danny Jansen behind the plate and all of a sudden Alec Manoa had a good start and now that Danny Jansen is on the IL like that's kind of out of the question now so I know that's another concern at least for me with the fact that you're going to have Alejandro Kirk behind there. Like, I think it's more than just his offensive numbers and his defense on the face of it with the stolen bases off of him and stuff like that. Like, I think there is more behind the scenes with how he manages a pitching staff, how good Danny Jansen is at knowing pitchers, calling the right pitches, putting pitchers in the right situation. And I think with Alejandro Kirk and even with Tyler Heineman, like, he doesn't know the roster as well as Danny Jansen does. He's not as comfortable with these guys. These guys haven't thrown to him before in game action. So I think these are all considerations that give me reason to be worried about Alejandro Kirk, or I guess more generally worried about the Danny Jansen injury. Like, I don't think this all falls on Alejandro Kirk. Like, I think a lot of things that we're talking about with Alejandro Kirk are just facts about who he is. Um, and they've that's been the case. Like, obviously the offense is one of those things that's out of the element and it's out of character for him. And that's something that we would be expecting from him if we're in a different season. But I think the defense, like it's always been the case that his defense wasn't the greatest and his defense was worse than Danny Jansen. And Danny Jansen was the guy you wanted behind the plate to call a game or throw out guys or whatever it may be. So I think like that's a constant and the responsibility or the, I guess the blame, if you want to call it, that doesn't, belong on Alejandro Kirk for the poor defense because that's always been who he is I think the blame if you want to call it that again is on the injury to Danny Jansen because that's what's put the Blue Jays in this situation and obviously with the lack of depth they have at the catcher's position now which is I mean kind of funny now that we're you know six months removed from a trade in which we were calling for the Blue Jays to get rid of all their catching depth and turn it into something else it's kind of funny that now we're in the situation where uh, it'd be nice to have a little bit more catching depth. Um, but again, you know, just to go down the rabbit hole, if you had Gabriel Moreno, he wouldn't be starting every day. He wouldn't be hot. It's, I don't know. There's a whole chain of if, and, or but questions that you can ask. But, you know, we're in this scenario now. The Blue Jays can't do anything about it. They got to rely and they got to hope Alejandro Kirk and Tyler Heineman are good behind the plate in the time that it takes Danny Jansen to get healthy. Um Okay, let's talk a little bit about relievers. Uh, before we get to... Actually, no. Let's do the Sweet Relief segment first. So, Sweet Relief, for those who aren't familiar yet, we talk a lot about relievers. We put a lot of blame on relievers. We don't spend a lot of time praising them for their successes. So, we have the segment Sweet Relief where we pick one reliever who's had a good weekend or good run as of late. And we try to heap praise on them. The one that I want to ask you guys about, uh, I'm going to give you three clues. We'll see if you can get them by the end of the three clues, okay? The first one is that this pitcher, this reliever for the Blue Jays, has only allowed one hit since May 10th. Keep going. Any guesses? Keep going. Keep no? Going. No? No idea. Okay. The second hint, they've had 24 appearances this season. They've allowed a run in only two appearances. Tim Meza. Yep, there we go. Is it? Yes. <laughs> it's Tim Meza. We've talked about him before on Sweet Relief. Last time we talked about him, 
he gave up a run the next time he appeared in a game, but that was the last time he gave up a run. It's now been eight games in a row where he hasn't given up a run. Over that span, his last eight games, he only given up one hit across 6.2 innings. His ERA is zero over his last eight games. ERA on the season is 0.96. Wow. Ridiculous. I don't think yeah. we talk about this guy enough. Like we talk about Nate Pearson because he's a guy who's new and fresh and exciting in the bullpen. We talk about Jordan Romano because he's put in these high stakes situations where it's kind of life or death for the Blue Jays. I don't think we talk about Tim Mesa enough and what he's done for this team. It's kind of ridiculous. Like a 0.96 ERA this season. We don't talk enough about this guy. We don't give him enough praise. And it's not like he's pitching in innings that don't matter or blowout games, or whatever it may be. He's pitching in high-leverage situations. Like, you look at his last appearance before today. May 26th, the first game of this series, he pitched the seventh inning in a 3-1 ball game, a game that the Blue Jays eventually won. You go back to the series against the Rays, he did pitch in a blowout. He did pitch in that 20-1 game. But he also pitched in the Blue Jays' 6-3 loss, where every run in that case mattered. He pitched in the eighth inning and finished that game. For the Jays, you go back to the series against Baltimore. He's pitching the sixth inning in a 6-5 loss. He's pitching the seventh inning in a 6-2 loss. He's pitching the eighth inning against the Yankees in a 3-0 win. He's been put in high leverage, tough situations. And in almost all scenarios, going back from the last eight games, and like I said, 22 out of 24 scenarios this year, 22 out of 24 appearances, he's succeeded and he's gotten out of it with flying colors. Uh, we don't talk about this guy enough. We should be talking about him more. Uh, he's been a gem out of the Blue Jays bullpen, and we should be heaping more praise on him. One thing also, guess what he has not done this season? Given up a homer? Okay, yeah, you got it. Uh, yeah, he's... <laughs> wow. I know you're obsessed with that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, he's he's been... Uh... Man, I, I mean... You talk about how the bullpen, it's not necessarily been what we've wanted it to be. I mean, Adam Simber was down for a while. Anthony Bass is more concerned about what uh, the flight attendants are doing. Like, he's been a mess all season long. The bullpen's been bad. Oh, I mean, it's been not good compared to what we wanted it to be. Tim Mesa is not one of them. Like, he is somebody that you put in. You know he's not going to give up a run or a home run, quite literally. Like, you know that he's going to go and give you some quality innings. He's, he's pitching a lot of big innings. And I mean, I mentioned this couple, when, when was it? I don't remember. But before his Tommy John surgery, um, he was lights out. Started to struggle right as his UCL was, uh, was starting to get worn out. He came back from that, and he's just been one of the best relievers in this bullpen, in, if not the American League, for multiple years in a row now. And Blue Jays, uh, very, very lucky to have this guy in. He's one of those guys, like, you're talking about how maybe they get Chad Green back or they will get him back, but they'll get guys back throughout the season. Going to have to figure something out with Ryu because he's expected to be back or at least projecting himself to be back before the All-Star game. You're going to have some decisions to make about this bullpen, but you know for a damn fact that Eric Swanson, Jordan Romano, and Tim Mazer are going to be there because of performances like this. And I, I do like this. I, I, I don't, like this segment, I don't think that we give guys like Tim Mazer enough credit because... He isn't, and I don't mean this in any rude way, but he's not like a big name in terms of league-wide recognition, but he should be based off of performances like this. And I say performances as if it's not like a season-long trend. Like, he is he is lights out, and he's been one of the the true, I think, um, true players that don't have any question marks beside them. 
Yeah, and that's usually a case with all relievers, and unfortunately a lot of them have that problem where they're not recognized a lot. I think the other thing that is very important to note is that while like for me for me in my personal opinion, I think the bullpen to an extent has been good. I think the part that has made it struggle is that just the unexpected performance from people where you come into the season expecting this guy to pitch this inning, this guy to pitch late in the game. And then all of a sudden they don't have that and they kind of have to shuffle I guess, where they're coming into the games. With Tim Meza, that hasn't changed along with a, a select few other people on this team. And he's also been very... And of course, he's stepped up. He's been even more reliable. And he's really stepped up his game. And he's that's what's been very important for this bullpen. Uh, and of course, being the only lefty and everything like that, he stands out in that way. So that's the part where it really stands out to me. Um, the fact that he's been able to step up despite a few other people not performing to what we were expecting. And then it's kind of created a little bit of chaos in terms of where this guy's going to pitch and where that guy's going to pitch. So, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me as well with Tim Hayes. I mean, he was really good last year as well and everything like that. So, I mean, Mark, I thought, like, you had a, real, you had a lot of uh, choices this week, and I thought there was a lot of good performances from this bullpen. So I guess I can give some audible mentions too. I mean, Eric Swanson and Jordan Romano both come in twice this weekend, and they were both really good in the eighth inning and the ninth inning. And, of course, Jordan Romano getting his saves. Um, Nate Pearson... Prayers were answered, Mark. He comes in in the eighth inning, or sorry, not the eighth inning, or it was the eighth inning, sorry, in Friday night, setting up Jordan Romano, pitching late in games. It's not Jimmy Garcia uh, the way it's gone. I I also will say Anthony Bass, a couple scoreless appearances throughout the weekend. He's pitching a little bit better. Um, I mean, he's still coming in a lower leverage situations, but I mean, you got to be optimistic that he's starting to figure his stuff out a little bit. And of course, Trevor Richards, again, pitching late in the game today uh, for the first time that I can remember uh, and coming in on the Sunday game. So he did really well as well coming in after Jose Brios left after five and two thirds. So you had a lot of options this weekend. It was a really good weekend for that from the bullpen, despite this team still not, you know, I guess just not playing the greatest despite winning two out of three. So I think that's another part where they did a really good job uh, doing that. And of course, keeping Minnesota at zero today was also very important. So lots of opportunity or lots of uh, choices you had this weekend, but of course, Tim Meza, I mean, just continuing to pick up where he's been leaving off all season. And, of course, having that ERA below one, that's very impressive, and you don't see that often, which is why it also stands out so much. So hopefully he can continue to keep that up, and there's no question he's been one of the most important relievers on this team and a reliever that, as much as the league might not recognize, a reliever that we also, I don't think, talk about a lot, um, unfortunately. But he's been really well, and he definitely deserved it this weekend. Yeah. Um, just to put it in context for the rest of the league, he's got the ninth lowest ERA out of qualified relievers. So 10 innings pitched or more uh, in all of baseball, National League and American League, ninth best ERA to start the season. So very, very impressive for him. Just to put uh, all this in context a little bit with the Jays bullpen, like, I don't know. It's it's been It's definitely been a weird season out of the Jays bullpen. They are right now 14th in baseball, in bullpen ERA um, at 3.91. So, yeah, basically exactly average. Um, So they're kind of middle of the road, which, to be honest, I think is probably something we could have predicted at the start of the season. Like, maybe in a perfect world, you're hoping that the Blue Jays get more towards, like, the maybe 8 to 12 range, um, just based on the additions they have, like the Eric Swansons, getting him in the mix and getting him more high-leverage scenarios, like, Maybe that's something you would hope with, but uh, I mean, based on the performances that we've had, the disappointing starts we've got from Garcia and from 
I mean, Richards with a couple blips, but I mean, Bass, one of those guys who's kind of fallen off the cliff as much as he's turned it around a little bit more lately. Like, I'm, I think I'm happy with the Blue Jays being middle of the road, given everything that's gone on. Uh, hopefully they can climb up to, again, that kind of sweet spot, 8 to 12 range by the end of the season. Um, shout out to another reliever before we end this, uh, Nate Pearson. You mentioned it a little bit. We had a, a question from Naden about whether he should be getting higher leverage scenarios. We talked about this a little bit last episode, and again, our answers, our prayers were kind of answered in this series, and it seems like the Blue Jays are trending that way. Like, he's, as much as I hate to admit it, he's been phenomenal for the Jays, and he was a contender for Sweet Relief. I was considering and putting him there because he has been great lately. Can I just say for the record, Mark didn't think that Nate Pearson would make a single appearance this season. We discussed this, yes, yes. We know. We We know. I own up to my mistake, although I still have the under. I took the under, and the under was 14 and a half. So, like, I I still got, like, three appearances to work with here. Okay, unless he, like, goes to Mars and starts a colony there. Like, he is going to be one of the premier (laughs) believers. Like, I don't know what you're getting at. Just admit defeat, Mark. He is going to be a mystery. Okay, how about this? By the time you get back from your vacation, you'll... It'll be over. It'll be at the true, over, yeah. and then Mark will eventually concede to you because he's almost close, like you were talking about. Well, I'm only gone for seven days. Exactly. Yeah, that's all it will take. He needs to make four appearances. There you go. So, like, no, I'm not going to take that. Well, no, because he, he's not going to. It's not like a bet or anything. Days. It's just a consolation yeah, I, I that next time you're on the pod, oh, you'll be fine. Like, yeah, like that. Just so like, you know. Well, because, <laughs> like, no, because I know for a fact. Yeah, what do we get? Anyways, I just wanted to bring it up. <laughs> yes, I lost I the... won't let that die. I won't let that I'm die. I'm going to get a point you... in the loon tally at the end of the year when we go back to our predictions. But may I remind you, you thought Jose Brios was going to yeah, be it... the use of the rotation last year. Uh, and you thought okay, Teoscar but... Hernandez was going to lead the team in war. And we both know where those predictions ended up. And he also thought Bo um, should be in the minors. So, I mean, you also... you want to talk about credibility. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. Okay, these you are not bad Bo to would be in the minors. Uh, okay, should he be? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm oh kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Anyways. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, higher leverage for Pearson. Great. Um, that item is knocked off. Uh, Dalton Varsho, a little bit of a weird series. Redemption today, after kind of a train wreck in the middle of this series, He there's two balls hit into the outfield. There's one that Varsho leaps in center field to grab. It hits off his glove, Jose Canseco style, and goes out of the ballpark. There's another ball that was just over Gurriel the fence. Style. Varsho, yeah, Gur- I guess that's a more recent callback. Uh, Guriel last year against the Mariners. But then we also get a ball that looked like it could have been caught in kind of left center field just over the wall, and Varsho doesn't get to it. Um but then he redeems himself in today's game in the series finale. He gets an outfield assist, throwing about again, throwing out a runner at third, uh, and then he also makes a catch against the outfield wall that he's all smiles about. Obviously, after the tough game that he had earlier in the series, uh, I don't want to talk too much about this because we talked Varsho to death in the last episode and why it's too early to be considering this trade with the Diamondbacks a total failure. I guess Jacob, you're the only one who didn't really weigh in on that I think you did a little bit earlier in this episode but like basically what we were talking about last episode was the fact that it's too early to judge this trade it's too early to criticize and call for Ross Atkins head on the Dalton Varsho trade because like 
we're two months into the season. Uh, like, do you, especially after what we saw in this series defensively, are you still on this? Are you on the same page? Or are you criticizing Ross Atkins for this move? I don't know how you criticize this trade. I'm going to be honest. Like, is he the greatest offensive player? Well, I can no, tell you, you were criticizing it in the middle of the episode. No, I was just mentioning that. I don't like, like genuinely have problems. You can okay, criticize okay. it by saying that Gabriel Moreno is hitting over 300. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. No. is also one of the hottest hitters in baseball right now. And Dalton Varsho no, is I'm, hitting like, what, 220 and pulling a no, Jose Canseco and throwing the ball over the wall? Like, no, but it's you Gur- could criticize it easily. <laughs> yeah, but Gurriel's not coming back after next year. Or after right. this year, excuse me. Like, there's no way he, he comes back. I th- Like, no, I... I I like this trade. It is a trade that the Blue Jays made for the long haul. No disrespect to Gurriel, but let's be real here. Is he making half the plays that Varsho has made this season? Not a chance. He's not gunning anybody down. He's probably gunning down the fans and behind the home plate at this point. Like, Dalton Varsho is a much better defender. Doesn't have as much uh, hitting ability, getting on base, but no. There's no way that you can um, actually be angry at this trade. I think the only way you can be upset about it is four or five years down the line or even two or three years down the line and you say oh yeah crap this really didn't work out but this season especially the way that may went for the entire team no like dalton varsho is he's one of the players that the blue jays need if they want to win a world series yeah and also jacob i'm sure you've noticed too like over the last like ever since this slump has happened um this entire conversation like has gained steam in terms of a lot of people are talking about this trade now, like how it looks a month after and everything like that. I don't want to rehash too much what we said last episode, but it still remains a heavy topic. I mean, it. I mean, I guess we were expecting it to be like that for a while. It just it wasn't like that right at the start of the year. So it's kind of something where I guess you're kind of getting used to seeing it all the time now. But I mean, yeah, like I guess the same thing happens. Or I mean, I hold the same opinion. Of course, it was only a couple of days ago where we spoke about it. But I mean, yeah, it was definitely. An interesting weekend for Varsho. I mean, the other thing, too, is I hate how, as much as Kevin Kiermaier left the game with the back issue, I hate how there was already tons of comparisons, you know, when the ball went off his glove, that he would have caught that. And regardless if that's true or not, like, it's for me, it's a tough play. Like, it's all these plays that I feel like these center fielders make at the wall and everything like that, it's way harder than it looks. That's number one in terms of timing it and jumping and everything like that. The guy's trying his the guy's trying his hardest to make the catch. It goes off of his glove. I mean, yeah, it's bad luck. The second one where he kind of it was towards left center field, like that one for me is even more difficult to make. And I, I don't even look at that one as much as the first one where, yeah, he probably could have had that. And I'm glad he redeemed himself though. I mean, it was a pretty much an identical play from Carlos Correa today on Sunday. And of course he goes up there. Everything was good in terms of his timing and everything like that. And his timing on the very first one, uh, on Saturday was good too. It just unfortunately went off of his gloves. So like Dalton versus an elite defensive player. I mean, they were, they showed it on the telecast in terms of defensive runs saved him and Kiermaier are among top of the league. And they're both on the blue Jays in terms of what, um, they, you know, in terms of defensive run saves. So this is why they this is why they did it in terms of the run prevention. The bat still isn't quite there, but of course he homered this weekend, had a couple hits uh, throughout the weekend as well. So that's also good to see. Um, and of course he also had that big throw uh, today on the Sunday game on Alex Kurloff. Um, he threw him out at third base. That was also a really nice throw, and he really it was just a strong throw. So this is what Dalton Varsho is defensively, and of course once he picks it up offensively, I think we can 
you know, be a little bit more accepting of him. I know that's not everybody that criticizes this, but of course there is a select few who do that. It's the same thing that we talked about the last episode, Mark. It's it's way too early for me to or for both of us because we had the same opinion to kind of have a a final verdict on this whole thing. It's just it's it's way too early for that. At the same point as you can acknowledge why they did it, and he's still. You know, he's still a guy that's very elite defensively, and of course, he's still going to bring it every day. And he'd like to play better offensively, and of course, he's lower in the lineup now. He's been batting at the seven spot consecutively over the last couple of days, so hopefully that also helps him get going from where he was earlier, where he was hitting cleanup and kind of rotating between four and five to start the year. So a little bit more of a, I guess, less pressure at the seven hole, and you can hope he can catch fire from that. All right, we got three games against the Milwaukee Brewers. The Toronto Blue Jays coming home after a long road trip. We got Yusei Kikuchi, Alec Manoa, and Kevin Gosman on the mound. Which way do we want to go? Who wants to start this one off for series predictions? Are we doing an update now or after? Dude, I can give the standings update now. Um, Jacob... Loses ground in the standings again because he predicts the Jays go 1-2 and two in this series against Minnesota. Instead, Bryson and I gain a little ground on him. Bryson wins out because he got every single game correct. He got perfect, so he gets an additional one point. So he gets four points total on the weekend. I get three points for the 2-1, and one, but guessing the wrong loss. Uh, so to update the standings officially, it is Bryson, you're at 29. I'm at 26. Jacob, you're at 19. <laughs> oh god um <laughs> do you want to go first fantasy record and placement yeah, so. let me, bottom let me, of the barrel buddy here. hey listen here alec manoa has not won a game since he started in kansas city i'm gonna say that he wins the blue jays uh get, get a win in that game wait the blue jays Brewers... win or he gets a win well no the blue jays win uh well yeah, yeah he's gonna get he's win, won the blue jays... games that he started since then yeah sorry right, what i mean a... is yeah, yeah, no, they've won, but I mean, like, he specifically is going to pitch well enough to give his team a win, and they're going to get that win, or he's going to get that win as well. I hate to say it, but I think that they, they take two or three, but they lose the Gosman game. They just, they hardly oh. ever give this poor guy any runs. Interesting. Uh, I think that they uh, they win the Kikuchi game, uh, win the Manoa game, and then obviously lose the Gosman game, which, against a first place team, it's pretty good. So, uh, you know, I, I'll take that. And then, God, I need I, I need this to go through. Like, I can't lose any more ground in the standings. You're doing well, a you're very good job of making it happen. <laughs> to win Manoa and lose Gosman. So, I can start to they see why. They don't give Gosman any place. runs. Okay, but, like, do they give Gosman runs? No. Yeah, but, like, Manoa gives up runs. Anyways. No, I, well, you, this is different. This is different. Anyways. You made that very complicated for no reason. Um, How was all right. the, They're no, going to win the, okay. the Manoa game. We got you. All right. Uh, for me uh, this week, so Milwaukee three-game series, of course. You're talking about it with Kikuchi, Manoa, and Gosman. I'm going to say, first of all, two out of three. Um, you got They got to build off of this, right? I think we are optimistic they can. Milwaukee's kind of similar as well, where they've kind of been hovering around 500. So, I mean, for me, I'm most confident in the Kevin Gosman game. Freddie Peralta has been struggling this year uh, for Milwaukee, so I'll say that right away. I think they win the Thursday game. And then when it comes to game one and two, it's a little bit more difficult to predict because both, of course, Kikuchi's also had a, a really difficult May. And, of course, Hauser's going um, in game one, and he's been really good. So good pitchers for Milwaukee in game one and game two. I'll, I'll 
you know what, I'll do what I did this past weekend. I think they win the first game and the third game, and I'll say they lose the second game with Al Quino. I just, honestly, as my, it's crazy to say it, but I'm right now I'm more confident Yusei Kikuchi bouncing back than Alec Manoa. And it's crazy that we're at this point, but that's just the truth that, uh, right now for me. I was going to say the same thing, but I yes. want to gain ground. Oh, okay. So okay. do I go 2-1 and one and say they win the Manoa game and lose the Kikuchi game? Ah, or I could go one and two. They lose both. Ah, damn you it. guys don't bet against Big Puma. He's gonna win. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> um, okay, I'll go the same as you, Bryson. I'm gonna go two and one, and they lose game two. I think they got some good momentum from this series win, and I think it'll carry over in the first game of the series. I think they will struggle with Manoa on the mound, but they'll win the series finale. Take back-to-back series wins. For the first time in quite a while. Uh, okay, we will wrap this episode up there. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. As always, you can find everything with our podcast below this episode. We've got a Discord. We've got social media on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We've got a Bias a Coffee page. You can check all that out below this episode as well as jbirdie.ca. They've got some great gear. Check that out as well. Lastly, you can support our podcast by giving us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify just helps spread the word about what we're doing here. We'll catch you after this three-game set at the Rogers Center against the Milwaukee Brewers.